Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hi, everyone. This is The Three Questions, which you probably know because it's hard to stumble upon a podcast accidentally. Uh, I'm Andy Richter, and I am very excited to have theatrical wonderkind <laughs> Mike Verbiglia here with me today. Uh, we, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, and, uh, and I'm very happy that you're here. You're a little Thanks, under the Andy. weather, I'm though. I'm thrilled. Yeah, I, I've just had this cough for two weeks of the five-week run in Los Angeles, so that's just been yeah, challenging. Yeah. You're doing a live show at live the show Amundsen. Live show at the Amundsen, yeah. yeah. So 40 performances. and uh, But yeah, it's uh, we're, it, it's this thing where you, you just try to make sure that the audience doesn't hear the coughs. You try to, right. like, you know, hide them here, hide them here. You know, I do have a thing with my sound guy where you kills the mic when I'm about to cough kind of oh, thing. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. Yeah, but yeah. But you were describing it off mic. I was like playing Hurt. It's right. a little bit like that. It is. It is. It's always, I, um, using my voice for a living, <laughs> I, I had to, that was like a, a, a transition for me or a sort of evolution for me is just, I used to smoke cigarettes. And I mean, I, I quit in 2001, I think. Wow. Maybe two thousand. I don't remember exactly. Um, no, two thousand and one. Um, and but I would I would uh, lose my voice. Yeah, you know, like two or three times a cold and flu season, yeah. and I started to just feel like, yeah, this is not a good thing. Yeah. You know, this is like I don't know, like a football player getting you know breaking their leg. Yeah, frequently. Yeah. Um, and then and then. I used to smoke weed too, and I had, and it was the same thing. I had, yeah, it was yeah. like, it was like, I just, I can't smoke yeah. because it fucks up with my voice. And it is that thing too of like, I gotta, you know, I gotta be on TV. Totally. <laughs> you know, yeah. I gotta do this thing. Yeah, the whole thing when you, with, when the show was on Broadway a year ago, my, my whole life revolved around essentially not getting sick. Yeah. Like the whole thing with yeah, yeah. the goal all the time. Yeah. And smoking or smoking weed, those are, yeah, those will hurt you. Yeah, yeah. But some people get away with everything. I know. Some people, they, they, oh, I know. they chain smoke and they drink and whatever. And they stay. Some of these Broadway stars, they party, and it's like, I don't know how you do that. I know. I don't know either. I, I You know, you just got to have the constitution for it. And, you know, it's just whatever particular model you are. And yeah. my, this particular model of human being, which is me, has respiratory issues. <laughs> and yeah. always has. And, like, 
you know, I'm I'm constantly begging with the people that uh, produce this podcast. Please take out the heavy wheezy breaths sure. that I make w- between when I'm reading the ad copy. It's like, <gasps> are you feeling depressed? <laughs> uh, <laughs> put on the wheeze. Put on the wheeze filter. Right. Exactly. Well, how is this show going? How do you like? You know, for me, well, you're a stand-up. Yeah. So, so saying the same thing, doing the same thing, is what you do. I'm an improv person. Yeah. And I and I was gonna say, like, do you get done with the show? Like, do you get like you're doing forty of them? Yeah, yeah. At like thirty, are you like, yeah. you know, I'm ready to do something else? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then you and then you have to. Find it, yeah, absolutely. On stage, really, yeah. you go out and you try to find it, and occasionally, I would honestly say, like one or two times in the forty, this forty run, like I'm like, oh, I didn't have it, but, yeah. but in general, you can find it. It's right. there, and and you just, it's an acting exercise in the sense that of you're course. you're just trying to relive what the pain was when you were, you know, when. You know, you're when my daughter was six months old and my wife and I hadn't slept and, and you're just you're acting out a thing. And then sometimes what I have to remind myself of is this thing that Philip Seymour Hoffman said in his inside the actor's studio interview once. He goes, uh, he goes, I always love auditions because it it's it's the opportunity even when I was struggling because it was the opportunity to act. Oh wow! And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." You know, that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. And performing the live show is the same thing. I try to remind myself, like, no, I'm lucky that I get to perform this at all. It doesn't yeah. matter if I'm I'm sick or I have a cough or stomach ache. Like, no, this is a huge privilege, and I have to just remind myself. Of right, sometimes. right. I remember when you used to smoke because I was an intern at Cone, at Late Night in New York in '97, yeah. summer of '97, and you and I did a a, a remote. Which means we we drove a van somewhere and yeah. and 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 you performed a sketch some you know somewhere and I think I waited with you in the van while they set up the remote or something like that yeah and, and you were you were like smoking so you were stepping out to smoke cigarettes and something but one of the things that <laughs> this is the I think this is the unspoken of comedy. You were always so nice to me. Brian Brian Stack was always so nice to me. There's a certain contingent in comedy that's Midwestern. Yes, that's like genuinely Precisely, nice. Yes, and and it's it's a fascinating. There are some dicks from the Midwest. Yeah, but, but generally speaking, you know, it is something. There is something about it. I don't know precisely what it is. Yeah, I, mean, I have my theories, but yeah, it's you know, you're just kind of raised to not get too big for your britches. That's or, right. You know, or whatever phrase you want to put on. Yeah. That, you know, I wonder what um, that is. I don't know, but I it's know. definitely in the mix because like when I was at Conan, it's like they're, they're uh, interning. There was like certain people who were, who were just, uh, you know, they were, they had walls up. They were not going to yeah. want to talk to you at all. And yep. then, but the Midwestern folks were so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also, it's, it is a, it is sort of a because I'm not like I don't know how you are but I I know a lot of people like this like and I generally consider myself kind of a shy person mm-hmm. which people don't it doesn't compute to people yeah. because of what I do for a living and 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 you know when I'm affable but I certainly don't you know like, like the other morning I was I was uh at a diner counter having breakfast and a guy sat down next to me and 
and I, it struck me like there's two kind of like old dude sitting at the diner counter, the kind that doesn't want to talk yeah, yeah. and the kind that's dying to talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that doesn't want to talk. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to, you know, like, and, and it's the same thing. I always kind of, I always in a, I hate, it's, I hate attention yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Like, like the notion of. Well, that was always the legend of like you, you going on Conan as a sidekick in the first place was was that Robert Smigel was just like, oh, it's good when Andy's sitting there because yeah, yeah, you were yeah. writing for the show. Yeah, well, Which, that was kind of it. Uh, yeah. That's like a kind of a crazy show business story in a sense. I guess. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I choose not to dissect it too much. Yeah. But, yeah, but no, I just, I kind of, I like to be more left alone. I never, you know, and like this kind of affability that I have on screen. It's not so much anymore, but like I used to, you know, I used to be out with friends and someone would just come up and in, interrupt and put a hand on my shoulder and say, come over and have a drink with right. me and my buddies. And it's like, why the fuck would I do that? I'm here with people. Totally. You know? um, but I, yeah, so I, I do think it's, I don't remember why we started this, but you know, it is kind of like the, the Midwestern thing. Yeah. The yeah. Midwestern thing. I, and it's, you're like a Midwestern introvert. So yeah, you're nice, but you're not, out, yes, you're not exactly. extending yourself I'm not, out. Yeah. And I mean, I can be chatty at times, but largely, you know, I am polite and I am kind and I, and a lot of it is kind of civil. So, cause when you're talking about the people are sort of more withdrawn. Yeah. I mean, I'm withdrawn, but I, it mortifies me to think that I've hurt someone's feelings. Exactly. Just, I have the same thing. It's mortifying to me. Me too. You know? And, uh, my wife is a, my wife is a true, true introvert. And the reason I know that is because I thought you I, she's never spoken to you. <laughs> 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 now you're going to get my cough on. <laughs> because she's never spoken to me, Andy. <laughs> and that's what this interview is yeah. about today. You said you want to get married and yeah, she yeah, shrugged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's. <laughs> Do you take this man? <laughs> yeah. It's It's been a series of grunts and groans and nods. And here we are. That's we're all very, it really takes. And we're happy. Sure, I mean, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're the talker, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that what an introvert really was until I met her because I because I was an introvert before that and then when in our dynamic I'm like oh no she's an introvert yeah I mean yeah. this is like and I have a joke in the book she and I wrote a book together that comes out in the spring and it's like her poems and my she expresses herself in poetry and it's beautiful but it's yeah. like that's how she expresses herself. if you want to understand what she's thinking about read her poems you right. know it's like it really is a much more than talking to her and and uh, I have this, this line in the book where I say I'm an in, I'm I'm an extrovert, which means I get energy from other people, and my wife is an introvert, which means she doesn't like you, <laughs> or she or she might like you, but she's gonna need me to explain why we're leaving the party, <laughs> because because that's my role in the marriage. Yeah, it's like me always being like, so we're gonna go because yep. we have a cat, yeah, yep. you know, yeah, 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 and people are you know. Now that you have a child, you can. You know, uh, yeah, the child oh is all oh, carte blanche. The kid gets you out of everything. How old are your kids? Uh, two, my, right? Yeah, my son's going to be nineteen. Uh, oh no, wait, shit! He just turned nineteen. Uh, I'm wrong. I keep saying gonna. He was nineteen uh, yesterday. Stick to the script. Andy. I know. I know. The script says he's going to turn nineteen. What is it? Yeah, he was. He turned nineteen yesterday. Oh my gosh! And uh, my daughter is fourteen. Wow. And yeah, so you don't get as much. You don't get as much excuses out of them now because, 
they don't want to be with me. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you know, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because, you know, parenting, and I mean, well, we'll get into your show, but, yeah. you know, parent, and that's like, for me, your show, I'm glad that it's doing well because it is like one of those things. There's a cliche among uh, uh, in comedians that like, Having kids and starting to do material about kids is like jumping the shark. Yep. You know, it's like, it's like, yep. oh boy, here we go. Now you're, yep. you know, now you're Irma Bombeck yep. or something like that. Yep. But it is like, I'm sorry. It's how people are made. Yep. It's a fairly important process. Yeah. And it deserves to yeah. be addressed. And, and I, uh, you know, like having kids for me now, it's it does get to be bittersweet because if you're doing it right, you are tr- you are working towards them not needing you anymore. Yep. So it gets you get like ouch when yeah. it's like they're like, hey, by the way, I mean, they're the subtext is, Dad, you did a good job. I don't want to be around you very yeah. much. Like, oh fuck, I know. Ouch, shit. Maybe I should have done a worse job. Yeah, and you you know? you've succeeded. That's yeah, just, yeah. That's the success. Yeah, the success is they reject you. Yes, I've said it before in here. One, I always, I heard something once where the the original mission statement, and it's supposed supposedly still is of police forces when they when they started existing was that they were working towards their own obsolescence. Mm. They weren't just there to arrest yep. people. They were there to sort of like harbor, a, you know, a, an environment where they would me- no longer be needed. That like makes they total would just sense. promote lawfulness, yes. you know. And parenting is very similar. You're always working towards not being needed. Yeah. And 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 you're working hard at making your job Absolute. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no longer good. And that's why one of the reasons I don't even mention this in the show, but one of the reasons I never want to have a child was because I never wanted to meet myself as a teenager because I was such an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember as a kid, just, and a teenager just being like, I hate you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. This is like, oh my God, this is like a Ponzi scheme. But you get, don't you, doesn't it just kind of, I mean, and I know in the, you know, in the show, you sort of back into parenthood. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, is some of that like, and by the way, if people want to see it, it's on. I think when this drops, I don't know when this drops. I think uh, it'll we be don't on. Know it's either. on okay. Yeah. I think but it's, it's on. I think it's on Netflix right now. Yeah. Mike Birbiglia, the new one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, Probably. when when will that start? The twenty sixth of November. Oh Tuesday, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. It'll be. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people want to know what we're talking about. It's the new one on on Netflix right now. Um, but I imagine like. Were you tr- were you as conflicted as you say in the show? Oh yeah. Oh really? Oh, I was so. You know, I didn't make the joke. It was like I was, you know, I was very clear when we got married that I never wanted to have a kid. That is one of the things that I don't know if it's an extrovert and introvert quality or separate entirely. But I am a I am someone who really believes in communication. Yeah. And I that's what the re- that, and that's what the show is about in a lot of ways. It's about like I'm gonna say how I really feel. Because I think that there's healing in the, in that and yeah. saying how you really feel and yeah I was I was like very clear like when Jen and I got married like I I definitely do not want to have kids and she said I don't want to have a kid now and I don't foresee that mm-hmm. but I don't I don't view my life that way which is a fair statement right right I don't view my life in absolutes that I would never I completely relate to that She's i mean not how wrong, can, yeah. yeah how can any you know it's a rare person that can be absolutely sure yeah what they're gonna want forever yeah you know 
Yeah, and in some ways, it's so, and I never thought about this until now. I mean, like, look, you you changed. I changed. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, Jen always says that. She always says it's so weird that you go to work and you talk about like this existential crisis of the first year of our daughter's life and how hard it was. And then like, you know, meanwhile, our daughter's four and a half and we're playing with her on the beach and laughing our asses off and having a great time. Yeah. And it's like, then I go to work and I'm like, and then, <laughs> you know, it's like death I, of a salesman. The notion of, the, of this. It's yes. the death of me. Exactly. Yeah. And that's actually helpful in terms of like when I feel sick or this or that. Like there is like... I do think of Una, my daughter, and I, and that, and that sort of makes me happy. Like yeah. it, it, it brings a smile to my face to think of my daughter. Yeah, and yeah. Like when she was born, and you know, it's it's emotional. Yeah. Um. Now, do you think? Because we, you know, this this show is meant to be somewhat. You know, the, the the three questions. The first one's sort of autobiographical about your history. Do you think that there was something about your childhood that informed your reluctance? To not have children, aside from being an asshole when you were a teenager. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, I, was there something in your household that made you think, I don't want to replicate this? I definitely never enjoyed my parents' relationship. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not uncommon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were the youngest, right? I was youngest of four. Of four, yeah. And I definitely, it was a mistake, you know, like I was definitely like a little bit, a bit of an afterthought. I mean, my uh, old, my sister... My oldest. Well, true, do they say you were an accident? Sort of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if like I dig deep, they go, "Yeah, we weren't really right, thinking right, that right. this was going to happen." Yeah, yeah. And uh, and New Year's Eve party. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, I'm youngest of four. My my sister Gina is 11 years older than me. Mm. So like I was, in some ways, raised by my parents. In some ways, raised by like my two older sisters course, who were teenagers. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, and and yeah, there's something about. My parents' marriage was very old-fashioned. My dad was very like, you know, he went to work all day. He was a doctor. He was he wasn't around that much. Yeah. When he was around, he was sort of cranky in this yeah. way that like made me uh, sometimes very sad uh, and uh, sometimes very angry. And uh, and you know, and you, so you don't want to replicate that yeah. the thing. And there's a lot of great things about my dad. So many great things. He's very smart. He's very caring. He's a great doctor. Um, but also, yeah, I just didn't want to – I I didn't want to repeat that. Yeah. I thought of myself as separate from that. Yeah, yeah. And and, and even, like, becoming a comedian was very defiant mm-hmm. in my house. It was – my dad was a doctor, and he, like, sent us – his whole thing was education, and he sent us to fancy schools. And, you know, it was – my dad was very – you know, and, and then being a comedian was really low class. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. In, in, in nineteen, when I got into comedy, or when I was interning at Conan, it's like nineteen ninety seven. It's like comedy wasn't like it was it is now. Yeah, where there's a certain like prestige element to yeah. comedy. It actually or was, everybody wants to take an improv class right. or something. Yeah, it was a it was a quite of a niche. Yeah, uh, a, a, a appeal and and so and also. Uh, uh, just well, I mean, it still is a long shot, but it seems like less of a long shot. Yes, because there because of things like YouTube and Twitter, and you you know yes, you can you have all these avenues to be funny in public. That's right. That there weren't then. You just yeah. either you had to go to some, and I mean shitty stand up clubs. Yeah, so many stand up clubs are so fucking depressing to me. I I mean I don't you know I don't maybe that's just me. No, but they are. Yeah. 
There's just Are like you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. there's such yeah. like a grimy floors, grimy floors, chicken fingers, drunk, in yeah, like uncaring a audience, half a kitchen. Yeah, and then and then just sort of like this this <laughs> miasma of like desperation and you know competition among people. You know that, well, I, th- yeah. That's what that's what my movie "Don't Think Twice" is literally all about. Yeah, the yeah. Desperation of like right, exactly. Yeah. But what's so funny is that like you're describing like these like hole in the wall kind of clubs and things like that. And meanwhile, like I saw, I saw you in probably that summer of '97 before UCB Theater existed when they were doing ASCAT at Solo Arts. Yes, which was. If I were to guess, I'd say like a fourth floor walk. It was. In the it lower was fourth or fifth. Yeah, and it was just. It was it seemed so like small. A, it seemed like a sweatshop turned dance <laughs> studio or something. You know, <laughs> like it was like hardwood <laughs> floors and kind of seemed like <laughs> at some point there was light manufacturing. In yeah, there, yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I remember going there. You know, and even like you don't even get a chair. You're like sitting on oh, the yeah, floor. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and and honestly. The way I remember it, with the through the rose-colored glasses of of the of of the memory, is like it was Carnegie fucking Hall. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it was the greatest place on earth. Yeah, and and that's and and such is like the delusion that gets you into comedy in the first place. Is you yeah. go to these sort of like hole in the wall places, and you're like. Well, this is the greatest place I've ever been. <laughs> it's total. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it was a, it was a rickety spot. Yeah, yeah. When do you start thinking that you're going to do this? I mean, you're as a kid, I assume. You know? as a, as, yeah, as a kid, I did. And then. Were you always funny? I mean, were you kind of the class clown and <laughs> the cut up and stuff? I was always funny to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the, that was like the dirty <laughs> little secret of the whole thing. I was always thinking like, oh, I'm very funny. Yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, I'd bring some of that to camp or school. People would be like. That's not funny, you know. <laughs> He's funny, you know. I always yeah, make the yeah. joke that the class clown was the guy who pulled his dick out in gym class, and everyone's like, "Kenny's hilarious." I'm like, "He's not hilarious." No, he's, he's just not. He's al- obvious. He's obvious. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's trying too hard. He's trying too hard, and it's like, and then every now and then, I would have a thing like I would go, like I would be in student council or something, like some kind of nerdy activity yeah. where. I would be the funny person in that situation. Yeah. And I was like, I know I'm funny. I know know some of these observations are funny. And then when I got to college, that was like a huge breakthrough because then you're around a bunch of nerds. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, in high school, you got some nerds. Yeah. You go to college. No, it's, it's, it's like just the a narrowing tr- of the nerds. Right, exactly. Well, and it's also just like it's like a geographic crapshoot. It's just like whoever lives in this area, that's who you're mixing with. Yeah. So there's no there's no culling process to like that where you like share any kind of ethos or anything. That's right. Whereas when you go to college, yeah, there's a little bit, you know, the process winnows. And I definitely went through that from going from – High school in a small town. I went to University of Illinois for two years, yeah. which, you know. In Champaign? Yeah, yeah. Which is a little bit, you know, more narrowed. Uh, so, And then from U of I, I went to film school in Chicago. And that was, you know, again, sort of like, oh, I'm with my people. Did you get and your I, master's in film? I did not. Oh, okay. I didn't even get my bachelor's. I, oh, okay. I got just close enough. And then I was already interning and oh. working in film. And I realized, hey, you don't Yeah, need, I don't need this. You don't yeah. need it. You don't need a degree. And um, and even I felt like even if I didn't make it in film, 
you know, that was the first thing I was going to try and make it in the film business, which is already, you know, something. Yeah. And I thought my fallback to there would be it was Chicago. So it'd be advertising copywriter. Yeah. You know, and, that's what I thought. And you don't need it's exactly. The yeah. Same thing and I you don't thought. need a, a degree for that. either. Yeah. You know that you just got to be funny, you know. Yeah. Um, but then when I got to improv, it was the same thing. It's like, oh shit, here, finally I'm with my people. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's how I felt in college. Yeah. And I, I auditioned as a freshman for the improv group and they were teaching. Thank God. I mean, like so much of this stuff is luck. I mean, I, I, I saw this, in, I saw this speech. I highly recommend this speech. If you want to watch a good commencement speech is Michael Lewis at Princeton from a bunch of years ago. And he says, if you're here, you're lucky. Yeah. And that's the best thing that I can tell you. Yeah. And never forget that you're lucky. Yeah. And, and, and you know, even if you're on scholarship, if you're on this, it's this, there's a series of events that occurred in your life that got you here. Right. And you owe a debt to society. Yes. And, and, I, and I think that's a really profound thing that I think is, that's often lost in the conversation is like, just how much luck there is. I yeah. got so lucky. I went to a college that just so happened. Where is it? Georgetown? Georgetown. Yeah. That just so happened to, in my freshman year, I get cast. That's lucky. They- In the improv group. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I get cast in the improv group. Yeah. That's lucky. They just so happened to have formed the year before I showed up, and their favorite thing in the world was Charna Halpern, Del Close, Truth and Comedy, oh, the wow. book. Yeah, yeah. And- their goal that they worked on for two years, even a, before, a year before I was there, we're going to try to bring Sharna Halpern and an a IO house team to Georgetown to teach us workshops. Wow. Yeah. And so what luck. Yeah. So that happens. Who, what team was it? It was Frank Booth. Oh, okay. And it had Liz Allen, who's still one of my close friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's a little it's a little after me, you know, yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And Brian. I'm trying to think. Brian Boland. They, uh, you know, and they, and and Sharna came and 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 taught this workshop, and I even still have the book today from Truth and Comedy, and she you signed know, basically it. signed it yeah, and said yeah. like I'll see you in Chicago when you move here, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like that's all luck. Yep. And then uh, my sister Gina happened to be in New York. She was an assistant at HBO and knew someone at Late Night uh, who was a producer who helped me get an interview to to intern, and then I ended up there, and then. While I was an intern, I asked you and Brian Stack and and Mike Sweeney and essentially like, how do you become a comedy writer? Yeah. And everybody's answer was either I did improv or I did stand up. Yep. So I went back to Georgetown and I did both. Yeah. A lot. And I and I didn't really go to class that much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you I mean, really kinda, you know. Like I said, I went to college and I went to film school and it was, it was more, you know, that was more, it was all just more kind of getting to know myself and yeah. getting to know uh, how much drinking and, and how many drugs I could take, yep. you know, like that That's kind of key. thing. Yeah. And just, you know, and, and yeah, and just starting on the path to purging the shitty programming that you get as a kid, you know, yeah. and. Um, but I learned everything I learned about show business. I learned in working. Yeah. I learned, I got an internship working on commercials and I learned, you know, you, you just, it's a workplace and you learn about the workplace and yeah. you learn about sort of the process by observing and you learn about 
how to do different jobs by lying and saying you can do it and then doing it and yeah. faking it. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, and then and I mean and that's informed my entire career as an actor is that. Yeah, I work on film crews. Yeah. And I've worked on all kinds of different jobs on film crews. And I happen to have, like, weaseled my way into the sweetest spot on the film crew. Mm-hmm. You get your own little room. Everyone caters to you. They ask you if you want anything to eat. You yeah. know, they dress you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, and yeah, and they and they treat you really, really well. But I still really try and remember that I'm a member of the crew. Yeah. Um, that's and right. it is, and, and you know, and that, that it, I absolutely agree with you about the luck thing, because for me doing improv was, I was in Chicago Yeah, and I, it was there. Yeah. I went to film school. I, I was funny and I wanted <laughs> yeah. to write, but I have such terrible fucking ADD that the blank page has always been my enemy. Yeah. So I was like, I, and I didn't really, I wasn't interested in being on stage by myself. I just had that instinct. Yeah. You know, in many ways I've known myself, I, there are ways that I've known myself very well throughout my life and other ways that I still am figuring myself out in, in big, big ways. But I did have, I just kind of instinctively knew like, Nah, stand-up's not for me. I don't have yeah. any interest in being up there by myself. Yeah. I like playing with people. Yeah. I like kicking it around with funny people. Yeah. And that was kind of, that was the beginning and ending of it for yeah. me. And uh, and when I started doing improv classes, I was sitting next to people that moved there from, I don't know, you know, Colorado because they wanted to be on SNL. Yeah, of course. And that was daunting to me. I was like, I'm here because it, you know, my friend was taking classes and it sounded like fun, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. It's like, I don't know if I'd been in St. Louis, if I, you know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I don't know that I would have, any of this would have, you know, happened. Yeah. You know. It's funny, though, you're saying the thing about the blank page, because that is a thing that is a signature of some great improvisers. As you know, some people who are as good of improvisers as anyone in the world, and with a blank page, it's just that's not. I, how they operate. It's awful. It's awful for me. Because I, you know, I just work best on assignment. I work best kind of collaboratively. Although when I'm writing something, I don't really, I have collaborated with people on writing things, but it's not my favorite. Yeah. Be, I, I mean, on something that's just going to be like my idea, because I get proprietary about my idea. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I have, like, I, I have the ability now to get something accomplished, mm-hmm. it can still be a struggle. But like there were years where I'd be like, I have a TV pilot idea. And then I just would like jot little notes down for three fucking years, yeah. you know? And yeah. then, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's always, you know, I, 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 I'm a good television writer, but it's that kind of television writer thing where you're sitting in a room yeah. and there's somebody Checking typing it down. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at the computer screen and going like that, change that joke. You know, yeah. I mean, and I mean, I, you know, I write comedy every day on the Conan show, but it's usually rewriting comedy. It's mm-hmm. coming up with, you know, it's, it's fixing things on, it's producing the bits. You yeah. Know? So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It is, it's, it is a question of kind of happenstance and luck and, but also too, luck can you know you got to you got to be open to it you know you got yeah, you got to be open to the oppor- yeah. you got to be ready for the opportunity and to take it because yeah. 
these opportunities could come by and you you know they're like a breeze that passes by yeah or you know there's something happens all the time yeah 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 yeah. you see that a lot right over the years is people who are really talented and they're in the mix yeah and then someone offers them something and they just sort of balk. Yeah. It goes to the next person and yep. that person soars. Or you could have, you know, when you got to Georgetown, you could have been a little bit shy yeah. about getting into an improv group. Yeah. You know, you were ready. You yeah. knew what you wanted and you took it. You That's know, there, true. There was direction and there was, you know, mm, you know, it's either, you could look at it as either ambition or as just like artistic curiosity. Yeah. You know, so mm, they're often the same thing. Yeah. Um, that's what my, it's funny. Cause that's what I, I had this, um, a writing mentor at college. There's this, this gentleman named John Glavin, uh, who is a screenwriting teacher who, who was incredible. He taught Jonah Nolan and Jordan Nardino and, and like countless, like uh, successful TV and, and film writers. Yeah. And at the time he hadn't, it was, I was in that era of people who he taught. And, oh, wow. and, uh, and one time I said to him, you know, I really appreciate like you mentoring you mentoring me, and 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 he said almost the identical thing that you're saying right now. I've, I've literally never mentioned it. Is he was like, well, you were open to it. Yeah, I never, I never. I, it's, it's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. You know, all opportunities are always there, but if you don't seize it, or you know, yeah, you know, I mean, I because I, I like I say, I would sit next to people. In improv class and like, you know, the upstairs of a blues bar in Chicago and uh, get to chatting to somebody and like, yeah, I want to be on SNL and that's why I moved here from you name. Sure. Like, wow. And uh, and that was never like my thing, but I always was ready to say yes to some, you know, I mean, improv, yes and, you know. Yeah. There, something would come up. Do you want to do this thing? Yeah, I will. I will, you know, yes, you know, you got to kind of just, I don't know, you you know. But even that Smigel story is the same thing of you were sitting on the set and and he was like, what if Andy just is in the show? And you were like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you just well, it was funny when he, it. when he first came to me to talk to me about it. And I think he had it in his mind all along. And I'd never really asked him like, hey, because Conan and I, I got hired on that show because Conan and I had a great lunch and hit it off. Yeah. And later Ro- Conan told me that he just called Robert and said, hire him. Wow. And Robert was like, well, let's have him write a packet of material for us. <laughs> I don't care. Just hire him. Oh my He's God, fun. It's so fun. Funny. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and then we also just, you know, we had like a rapport. Yeah. We, we were doing bits yeah. all the time. And um, and I don't know if Robert went like, ah, sidekick. Like as, you know, because one of the things we were kind of trying to do is we were – Building a talk show in reaction to all the other yes. talk shows that it had become before, especially David Letterman. Sure. So I think the notion of, you know, there's only so many ingredients that go into a talk show. And one that hadn't been there for a while was the sidekick. Yeah. So I think maybe it was just sort of like there was the option, the, the notion of like, well, let's try this old trope. Sure. Um, and and then, you know, I fit that yeah. in many ways, like yeah. just in terms of like, I mean, there's many ways that we, that we, uh, that many ways either sort of 
dumb or sublime that we compliment each other. Like I've said, fatty and skinny. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's one of them, you know. Uh, the other one is... Uh, loud and yeah, quiet. Yeah, tightly yeah, wound yeah. and then sort of like, meh, 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 yeah. you know. Um, we, we, you know, hit... We have a we we have a very similar comedic sensibility, but we're very different people. Oh yeah. Um, and when Robert first came to me to say, because he just started when Conan started doing test shows, Robert, the first time Conan was down, just in front of the camera, just like lighting and shit. Yeah. He went. Uh, I got Robert called my office and said, "Hey, go down and and sit next to him. Just keep him company." Yeah. Okay. And we just sat there and, you know, bullshitted like we always do. Yeah. And then the next time he was like, the next time it was going to be like, hey, he's going to do another test show. Go down and sit with him just to, because there's a lot of downtime yeah, too. You know, they're like course. resetting cameras, you know. And I wasn't even really, I didn't, I didn't see it. You know, I didn't see like, oh, I'm being groomed. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, yeah, okay, I understand. He's sit, I, I take things at face value. Yeah. He's sitting there. We don't want him to get bored or antsy. So, you know, like I've, I've said many times, my, <laughs> uh, when they ship, when they, tran you know, like transport show horses, they frequently, if they're just transporting the show horse alone, they'll put another animal in with it. Yeah. A dog. Yeah. A goat. <laughs> and I always kind of felt like I'm the dog or the goat. <laughs> like that's just there to sort of like keep him from kicking the back out of the oh, stall, you know. Um, but when Robert came to me and was like, do you want to be the sidekick on the show? At that time, we had this notion that we were going to have sort of like a, it was going to be like a hybrid talk show sketch comedy show. And we were, and there were a lot of writer performers and we were going to have like this kind of throwback cast of, you know, cast of kooks that yeah. came out and did bits, yeah. you know, very frequently. And I thought like, oh, maybe I want to not be, uh, not be on the show like in that capacity as the sidekick yeah. so that I'd be more free to be do character yeah. parts and stuff. And he talked to me and I said, well, let me, let me think about it. And I said, and let me, you know, let me talk to my then fiance about it. And, uh, and he went, okay. And he left my office and I like instantly was like, who the fuck am I kidding? That's he just said, do you want to <laughs> be on TV every night? And I'm going like, let me think about it. <laughs> uh, you know, and like, I just, I think I thought about it for 30 seconds. And I just went into his office and I was like, wait a minute. Fuck. Yeah, of course yeah, I yeah. want to do that. Oh, you know, that's sweet. Um, so, yeah, but I still was kind of like a little bit, you know, there was like a moment of like, nah, I don't know, you know. Um, one, one time I was in the control room because I was the control room intern for a period of time. And, and you and uh, one of the producers were in there and, and they were work. They were like adjusting lighting or something like that. And you and then the producer said to you, "He goes, hey, Andy, hang hang back a little bit in this next segment." And you go, "Jeff, I've been I've been working on these uh, crackpot racial theories. I've been I've been thinking of throwing <laughs> on TV. Do you think this is a good time for it?" And it was just like one of the funniest things I'd ever heard, like in a workplace environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, you know, I got my crackpot racial theories I want to talk about. <laughs> and then and then you were so sweet. I had an improv group at the time called the Regal Beagles, and I brought them, or, or they came to town that summer, and they all crashed on my floor in, in this little studio apartment in New York. 
and uh and, and after the and i brought them to the taping they watched and then you were nice enough to like take a photo with us afterwards and it was like a whole thing oh nice it was a big thing yeah nice who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie famous amos has been making them since the 70s 1975 to be exact with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie and fans couldn't get enough that's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Well, now, I want to keep moving on because during the, at this point in your life, too, a big thing happens. You got, you were sick. You, didn't you have cancer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I was about, when I was like 19. What year in college is this? This was like my freshman year in college. Yeah. And I was driving home for Christmas break and I had a blood in my pee and then, uh, I was like, oh no, that's bad. Yeah. yeah. I, like you just know you just know from the movies. Sure, sure, sure. This isn't good. Now where had you been a, had you been doing crazy sex stuff that you thought like maybe it's from that or No. Yeah. <laughs> Definitively no. No. And I didn't even have to think about it right, too right, much. Right. Nope. Yeah. Um masturbating with the wrong lotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's actually a story I've never told anywhere about it, is is that I, I literally when I went I went home. And it was in, it was still in the, in the pee and it was, and it was, and it was this weird thing where it was like you'd pee and then in the toilet, you'd see like a droplet of blood and just sort of poof, you know, and you oh, like, turn pink kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just go, Jesus, this, this seems bad. And I mentioned yeah. to my dad and he seems, he's a doctor. He's seemed worried. What kind of doctor is he? He's a neurologist. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of the brain. And, um. And he took me in to see a urologist friend, and I literally said, I've never told this in, the, in any of the shows where I talk about ha having had cancer. I said to the doctor, is it possible that I was masturbating too hard? <laughs> and he goes, no. <laughs> it's just such an embarrassing uh, detail. Oh, man, can oh, I man. fantasize? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think I, broke my, yeah. I, I think I broke my prostate oh my gosh. with my incredible fantasies. Oh, my gosh. And so, uh, yeah, and so they went. 
you know, he 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 put me under uh, to do a cystoscopy uh, where they look into your bladder, which I describe in the show actually. And then while I'm under, they see the tumor and they, and they just put me under further while I'm under, they're like, all right, let's just put them under, uh, fuller anesthesia and just get this out immediately. So they take out the tumor and then. Is it like through your urethra? Yep. Wow. Correct. Yep. And, uh, and it, uh, talk about luck, another thing. It's like they caught it early. It was a fluky thing. A lot of people don't have the blood in the pee. Wow. You know, it's, it's like they find out years later. Yeah, yeah. You know, symptoms often are lucky. Yep. You know, and uh, and and so they, they caught it early, took it out. And then so every, for at that period of time, every three months I would go for the cystoscopy. And well, was it, there any chemo or any no. radiation or nothing? Oh, They okay. discussed it. It was a big discussion and they decided that based on similar case studies that they'd had with other patients that they thought that the, it was this anomalous type of bladder cancer that they had seen in younger people that was probably based on like uh, a, a paint I had used like oh, I, wow. from an art class or, right, or, right. or, or that you'd huffed. <laughs> and I had huffed. <laughs> and uh and so, yeah, and, wow, and, and, and so that's crazy. And so, yeah, and so then it was just like let's we're, let's just monitor this very closely. And yeah. so, to this day, I go for these cystoscopies, but but no, I didn't have to do chemo radiation. It was a close call, but they but they, I'm really glad they didn't do it. So does it? So it doesn't really take you out of your life for too terribly long, does it? No, yeah. the, the scope is you know it's a day, and then uh, and and. No, it doesn't. It, it honestly, I think that the biggest impact it had on my life was that it made me, when I was whatever, nineteen years old, see death up close. Yeah, and and that's a that's a weird thing to no, do when every, you're young. Yeah, when you have a more any kind of mortality thing that happens, you know, like where you confront mortality, whether it's your own or whether it's like a relative that gets, you, you know, like I have. Elderly relatives that I kind of take care of. Yeah. And that's, it, it definitely has an impact on me. Seeing people go from being fairly, you know, from being and, vibrant, yeah, yeah. regular old adults to being in, in what seems like just no time at mm-hmm. all into being mm-hmm. elderly and yep. frail and, you know, and like the inevitable yeah. Is because is right there, yeah. you know. So yeah, definitely. So that affected me in this in this huge way, and and I think like when I I, I have this I have this thing where I, I I sort of compulsively work on things to the point where I forget to eat, I forget to sleep. I think that's a part a big part of my sleepwalking disorder, and I think that it all roots back in some ways to the cancer, which is like. No time like the present. You could die tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I could get cancer and and, and and terminal cancer and die, and so that yeah, so that I think that's a huge impact on my whole consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Where was that within terms? Of, like, did that make you feel like were you doing improv at that point? Like, had mm-hmm. you started? Yep. So, and it, do you think that that was just kind of like, well, I'm gonna go for this now. Yeah, like I think there's that no, was like why would I why would I half measure it? I'm just going to yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah. I think that I was when I was in college. It in some ways like it put 10, 20 years on my life. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like I, it was almost like I was experiencing this midlife thing, which is like I got to do this now. I'm running out of time. Yeah. Um, except when I was twenty. Yeah. 
And so I was, yeah, I was full. I was working the, I got a job working the door at the Washington DC improv comedy club. And I was doing stand up, and I was entering the funniest person on campus contest and I was writing screenplays and I was, I was doing improv and with my group and, and doing sketch comedy. And I, yeah, I was just like all in on this thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, um, one of the luckiest things I ever got or ever had happened to me was that I got to be in a Robert Altman movie. Oh my gosh. And Robert Altman was truly, a, you know, being in film school and stuff, truly an artistic hero. Of oh mine. yeah. And, uh, and the, the dream situation of meeting a hero and having him be everything you want him to be and more just, it was f- just the fucking best. I've heard that. Yeah. He just was just a great, great guy. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and just a lesson, like he, he surrounded himself with people he liked. He did what he wanted. Yeah. He made movies he wanted to make. Didn't even put a lot of pressure on himself. Just was happy doing it. The process was the thing. Um, and just made a life a party. Life was like yeah. every day was kind of a party. Yeah. And, uh, when he died, I, I went to his funeral and uh, Garrison Keeler was one of the people that eulogized him and talked about this thing. And I wish I had a transcript of it because it was just he talked about and Alvin never talked about this in, in when I but you know, he was a fighter pilot in World War Two oh at yeah. like age 19. Unbelievable. In the Pacific. He was a bomber pilot. Or not a fighter, a bomber pilot. But. Like they'd take off in a hundred degree heat and then get up to like, you know, zero degrees, wow. you know, because of the high, the, the altitude they had to fly. That's incredible. And there was something about just the, 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 just the mortality statistics of flying these missions in the Pacific, these bombing runs where every time you went out, there was about like a 40% chance you'd die. Yeah. And he was 19, 20 years old, flying this plane in charge of like a crew of like six people. Yeah. And did this and, and it was, and every time you did it, your chances of dying were increased. Yeah. And they took, heavy fire and and limped back, you know, a couple of times in a plane that was going to almost crash. And then this guy gets out of that and says like, I'm going to, goes back to Kansas city and starts making industrial films and doesn't give a fuck. And, and, and didn't even, I mean, I know a little bit about his story and didn't even succeed right away. No, no struggled. Yeah. He just made industrial films. I think he had his first like movie that, that that sailed like in his mid forties or yeah. something. No, and he just, but he didn't care. Yeah, you know, people would say to him, you, you know, you have to conform or you have to do this, and he, eh, fuck that, I yeah, don't have yeah. to. And it's it is like, well, yeah, when you cheat death repeatedly yeah. at age That's twenty right. in a fucking while you know artillery is exploding around you and your plane blow gets a hole blown in it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how you could sit across from some fucking smug prick and go like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to do what I want with this movie. That That's related to like a lot of times people say to me like with the show, like how come you're comfortable saying this like really embarrassing stuff on stage? So yeah. I'll have like the Red Light District stories is really embarrassing for me yeah. to tell. And like, you know, or, or feeling like these really dark thoughts, like I get why dads leave and things yeah, like these yeah. where like. You're embarrassed to admit it, but it's just thoughts that cross your mind and they're less than flat, flattering. And what I always say is like, is like, 
we think that we're being secret Mm -hmm. and we're not, none of us are keeping secrets. Everybody knows that everyone else, we, I've never phrased it exactly. I, I don't know. I've never tried to phrase this exactly right, but it's like, it's like we're all naked. Yeah. <laughs> we think we're wearing clothes, but yeah, we're all yeah. naked. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people can imagine what we look like naked. Yeah, right, right. And, and that's how I feel about performance. It's like, yeah, you just tell the stories. It's like we're all naked and we could be dead tomorrow. I know, I know. Well, and on that, I mean, I've just always thought, you know, on that analog, it is like the funny, like just the notion of the way we should look naked it's like is like so so specific and such a fucking thin strata of what things is because like if we really did walk around naked for just a day we'd realize like oh my god we're all like we'd get over just it. lumps and yeah, weird get o- hair yeah, yeah of and, course you know, yeah, and we yeah. get over it so quick yeah I'd be like oh yeah all these stupid fucking vessels we're walking around in like they're not yeah n- you know yeah they're all perfect and none of them are perfect exactly you know? yeah exactly yeah. and that's, well we're just animals right i mean right. We're, we're the museum of natural history yes. we're just the astropithecus yes yes mammals who are too smart for their own good yeah exactly yeah. but yeah no that yeah I, I, well and also too i i mean the thing that i love about your work is that and it's part of my it's part of me just kind of you know being a a, a booster of therapy and a booster of like just emotional honesty and is like yeah talk about shit yeah like they're just words yeah they're just words and they're just feelings and it's and and so much time is wasted and so much harm is done i think yeah i think both on a personal and on a on a on a you know larger level because people just aren't going to be honest about feelings and they're you know and they're so scared of being sad or being angry or being petty even, you know? In that way, that's in, in that way, I'm a I'm a reaction to my family too. Cause I was I grew up Irish Catholic, Massachusetts. Repressed. Repressed. Yeah. Nobody talks about their feelings. Yeah, and, yeah. And all that stuff. That that's why the movie uh oh my gosh. The movie that crushes me the most is Spotlight. Oh really? So when I saw Spotlight, I was at home. It's with, pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah. I actually talk about it. I have a chapter about it in my book where I've never had a reaction like this in a movie. I'm watching it with Jen in our living room. And the scene comes on where uh, I think it's Rachel McAdams is playing the reporter. And she's talking to this guy in a diner. And he tells the story about uh, how he was uh, molested by a priest. And it's just so realistic. I mean yeah. the, the I mean the the direction and the performances are just so specific and uh I just start crying for I mean, so hard it was yeah. like you'd have to pull the car over if yeah, it was raining yeah, that yeah. hard. Yeah. And for just 10 minutes I just cried and cried and cried to the point where Jen would probably think like oh I guess he was molested as a child which I I I, I wasn't. I could have been. I was a, I was an altar boy and I live in Massachusetts and, yeah. and there's something about Everything in the movie was so familiar. Yeah. And, but it's, um, but that movie I think is really important in that sense of like, it, 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 it it's about how there's all this complicitness mm-hmm. around this abuse mm-hmm. and it's, and it's partly taking advantage of the thing that you're talking about, which is, we're not going to talk about that. We're yeah. not going to talk about how we feel. We're not going to talk about what happened or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever thing that we're ashamed of. And it's yeah. like. Yeah, in a lot of ways, my my uh, 
my show is like my way of just being like, no, I'm going to just talk about it all. Right, right. <laughs> We're going to talk about everything I'm going right, through. Right. And some people aren't going to be happy about it. And some people are going to feel a healing yeah. from it. And that's all fine. Well, it's also a really nice demonstration of what security really is, mm -hmm. of what a sense of security is. Because, you know, take Spotlight. That's if, – if the Catholic Church is truly righteous – if they're if and that's what they're protecting. If you're truly righteous, you'll want you'll want that movie. Yeah. Uh, well, and you'll want yeah, and you'll want honesty. Uh, yeah. You'll yeah. want to purge want the, the badness. Yeah. Of course. Whereas like the the covering up of all these crimes and all these sins, and I see it in people on a personal level. Yeah. Who like the people in your life that sort of like have to be blameless about things. Yeah. Like it's like it's an in, it's such an insecurity that you can't even admit like a little bit of wrong because it's like a house of cards. Yeah. It'll all tumble. Yeah. And you know, I mean, politics. It's happening right now yeah. where it's like you can't say. You know, <laughs> a fucking criminal yeah. in the White House, yeah. and everyone's like, "Nah, he's not a criminal." Right? You know, he's got the, you got this whole side of the thing that he lies himself. forty times a day, and yeah. nobody says the word lie. Right? It's, I mean, it is. It's like that's just fear and insecurity and covering up, and it, you know, and if you're going to be brave, you're going to, you know, that's part of that is showing the warts. I you know. know. So that kudos to you. That's my point. <laughs> Hooray! You're a hero. Oh my gosh, I'm no hero, <laughs> but I. It's it's funny though the political thing is interesting because it's you you and I are both very vocal on Twitter and 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 I think we both about the politics and yeah and and I think we both get some blowback from it you know stick to the jokes and that kind of thing but it's eh, like at a, at a certain point you just go like I I totally get it stick to the jokes but this is a crisis yeah and I'm and, a citizen <clears throat> I'm a citizen and I get people's ear yeah yeah and and I'm an, and and I'm uh, witnessing something yep. and people uh, like hearing what I have, to, uh, hearing my analysis yep. of things I witness. Yep. And this is, I'm witnessing this. Yep. This is, this yep. is fucking bananas. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Right. I have to mention this. Well, and also I, I, on Twitter, I'm a person, I'm a person that for some reason, you know, people, People like to hear – I have followers. I have a good amount of followers. Obviously, people like to hear what I have to say. Yes. So that's just – that just is. Yes. So I'm going to talk about the things I want to talk about. Right. So, yeah. So, like, this is this is something that concerns me. And people think that, like, when I go to parties, I want to talk about politics. Right. I don't want to talk about politics. Right. It's a foregone conclusion the way I feel. I don't want to preach to the choir, yeah. really. I mean, I will talk about it on Twitter because things will occur to me, and I feel like I have to fucking lance the boil and sure. purge this fucking frustration that I'm feeling. But, yeah, no, it's all pretty, you know, I mean, there's not a – I don't have – there's not a lot of, like – persuasion that needs to happen for me i'm you know i am the way i am but yeah no it's it it's i was at a talk show yesterday and uh, uh evan rachel wood the actor was yeah. on with me and, and she was talking about how <laughs> she goes to this uh thing in la that's like called a rage room i think <laughs> and you oh, just boy. and you just break shit so it's like oh yeah, yeah i heard yeah, yeah. about that yeah so yeah you take a chair computer printer just fucking right, right, right. beat it with a baseball bat yeah i just thought that was a great uh right, a great, right. A great way to vent great some outlet. Of this yeah, stuff. yeah yeah for me me and jen in lately and in, in, in for and jen gets so my wife gets so upset about it, 
the current event stuff and, and for obvious reasons and we've been doing a kickboxing class together <laughs> we, and we meet up and we uh, this woman with the pads and we just kick and punch and we're terrible but yeah, man, yeah. man does it get a lot out yeah yeah that's great there's a funny thing i went i went to my first kickboxing class and uh and and i was i was so bad and she goes uh at the end of the lesson she goes so if you ever do this again <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna, if i ever do it again yeah. I, I signed I, up for I, a package yeah, exactly yeah, I, yeah. I, from you i purchased the package <laughs> from you yeah <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's keep moving on to like uh, your transition from stand up into doing the shows, the one man shows. One man shows. Yeah, do you call them one man shows? Do yeah, you, I call them whatever people call them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's a you reach solo a, plays yeah. or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. stand up solo plays, one man shows. You reach a point where you just go, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't matter what you call anything. Right. I had that whole thing. Right. With, People, when Hannah Gadsby's show came out, which was brilliant, and people go, it's not stand-up comedy. It's like, yeah, it is. It's whatever right. you what is experience. That? Is she solo on stage telling things that are meant to be largely comedic? Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't matter what you call it. So, so um, how I arrived at it, I, it is partly my screenwriting professor and playwriting professor, John Glavin, who I mentioned in, in college, I called him when I was probably 24 and I 25 and I I had lo- I had just mounted a a a, a two actor play yeah called Baby on a Train that I really liked it was a one act and it was I acted in it and you know basically directed it I mean although we I mean I hired a third person but um and I mounted it and it was a uh, I've never really told the service like no one really showed up. Oh boy! Like it Where was, like, was this? It was like I rented the producers' club on Forty Fourth and like Ninth, you know, yeah, that area, yeah. like the yeah, yeah. fourth floor walk up. I like rented a little, a little space, and and it was one of those things where my ma- I had a personal manager at the time, and and which I think is a kind of a hoax of a business entirely as management in Hollywood, like the. Tim Sarkis, did you hear that? <laughs> I liked him, but but I think like the, there's just a lot of people who in in show business will tell you, you know, you're the, you know essentially like you're the guy, you're yeah. the you're the lady who's gonna you know do all these great things, and then there's no follow through whatsoever. Yeah, and I experienced that a lot early yeah. in my career. Yeah, yeah, and we're crazy about you. We're crazy about you. Crickets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. So my manager, I wrote this one act play, and my manager goes, "If you mount this one act play, which I, sounds like you're gonna fuck it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you fuck this play, you are destined for yeah. the stars. You will you, have a novella, baby. You just have to fuck the play <laughs> once. Um, so, so if you mount the play." Then you then I'm gonna pack the room with industry. Oh. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. And nobody showed up. And it was like it was like it must have been 13, 14 people in this room, and I'd rented the room and I convinced the other actor to be in it who was in one of my acting classes and and it was just so pride swallowing and yeah. and I called my Acting pro- or my my writing professor and I told him about it and he goes you know you should just be writing a solo play because you know how to write plays and you're a stand up and you can merge those things into one and yeah. I go okay so what I st- easy advice but like what brilliant advice it's brilliant advice yeah yeah 
And so I, uh, I went and I saw, you know, I got like TKTS tickets for like every off Broadway and Broadway show of solo, so solo shows. So I saw, I am my own wife and, and bridge and tunnel. And then I saw this one show, uh, called the tricky part directed by Seth Barish, who's my director now starring Martin Moran. And it was really moving. And I was like, I want to do a show like that. And it wasn't comedic. It was, it was just a very personal story, simply told, simply directed, much like the way Seth directs my shows now. And, and, uh, I just approached a director and Seth and I go like, I really want to work with you. Here's my script for sleepwalk with me. I've written a solo play and here's my comedy album. Uh, and he goes, you know, I don't think it's there yet. I don't think it's a play, but, but I'm willing to, if you hire me, uh, I would do like coaching sessions where we talk out sections of the piece. And so like for a period of time, like I hired this director, Seth to do sessions with me. And then at a certain point he goes, I think that there's a play here. And uh, and that that was how the incarnation of That's gonna be we've pretty done va- four pretty nice yeah pretty nice validation yeah yeah and it was hard it was a hard fought uh, victory because Seth is a very very uh, particular he's sort of like in like a uh, like a like a old almost like an old fashioned even though he's not old like an old fashioned New York theater like person of integrity where it's like he he's not in a rush to like throw the thing up he's like no it's got to be uh, a play before we're gonna stage it yeah and so we worked on it for literally years I mean wow. I, I think probably three four years wow and then finally when I was like I think this was when I was like 30 years old I got a I was, there was a pilot in uh that I did in CB uh, at CBS here in LA you wrote that I wrote, co-wrote with Andy Secunda, who worked with you oh, at yeah. Conan, and, yeah. and is a really great improviser and writer. And then it was sort of hacked to pieces by the network in the sense that they really want. Oh, really? <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> You're not going to believe this, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked it up. <laughs> they mounted it. Uh, <laughs> they mounted sloppily. Yeah, yeah. They mounted the pilot's file. Yeah, with no concern for the pilot's pleasure. But then, but then, and then did get didn't get picked up, and it was so watered down. And there's nothing worse than that, right? Yeah, like where you wa- someone waters something down, and then they don't accept it. I know, I know. You're like, well, I just compromised myself completely, precisely, and then you rejected the thing yep. that I compromised for Absolutely. you. The that process to me too. The aspect of that process, I've had that same thing. But the process that I like is when they're trying to woo you. We want you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like everything yeah. that's different about you. We like everything that's unique about you. Great. Okay. Here's a pilot that's me. It is you. We like it. But here, like, make these little changes. Till you get to the end of the process and they're like, you know what? Let's just make it like something, like the things that work that aren't you. And then they say, you know what? We decided anyway. We don't, we don't like it, you know? That's that. Yeah, and, and, and so that was crushing yeah i mean it was a seminal moment in my life i'm so lucky it happened yeah because it was so cut and dry what had occurred yeah i was like i went i made the compromises they rejected the compromised version that they had ordered yep i this town is not for me yep i do not belong here i'm gonna go back to new york 
and I'm going to take with me the lesson of this town, which is this town for, you know, love, you know, this business, show business in Hollywood, love it or hate it. They're really good at making things look glossy and produced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, they're, you know, the, I think the expression is like polishing a turd or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know, they're really good at that. Yeah. And so my takeaway was, well, I have this good thing sleepwalk with me, this one person show. I've been writing for years and working with this director set. I just need to get some money together and some producers to to polish this because it's not a turd. It's this, yeah. it's this thing I'm proud of. Yeah, yeah. I need to treat, I need to, res- I essentially need to respect my own work the way that I'm somehow, for some reason, respecting their fucking bolt network bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and treat it like, okay, no, this is, and so I mounted Sleepwalk with me with the help of Eli Gonda, who is a, a, a friend from college. He produced the show and then, and then Nathan Lane was generous enough to, to lend his name to it because he was he was a fan. He had seen me at Caroline's do the sleepwalk with me material. And he said, Well, I would, you know, I'd put my I would put my name on it. I'd say like presents. And that that changed my life. Oh wow. And then I did, you know. From, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. From there I did four, you know, I've done this is my fourth. And then this one went to Broadway. And so like my third, like artistically, everything in my first, 30s. Where do you first I'm sorry, where oh, do you yeah. first put up Sleepwalk with me? Uh uh, Bleecker Street Theater. Oh, okay. Um, and I'd workshopped it at UCB Theater in New yeah. York, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and in LA, and uh, and it changed my life. Like everything from age like whatever thirty to to now, I'm actually really proud of because I'm I have control over yeah, it, and you, I can collaborate your own, with your the own people. Terms. Yeah, the, I can collaborate with the director and lighting designer and set designer who I respect. And yeah. It's, and so it's uh, and you direct, you know, you direct. Have you only is it the one movie that you made, or have you made two? Two. Uh, don't think twice. And then I oh, we did right. a sleepwalk with me. Movie. Right, 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 yeah. exactly. And uh, but yeah, in the middle of there, you made a goddamn yeah. theatrical, you know, <laughs> like you made a, a, a feature film. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, two two feature Hooray films for that, you. Thanks. That's what I'm saying. Thanks. Jesus Christ, Mike. Thanks. Yeah. Good going. And a, and part of that too is like I it, 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 a, a lot of it is, and I don't talk about this this part too much, but it's like part of it is like who you're in love with. Sometimes you know, it's like it's like and when I first met Jen, she I I, I said this is like th- three weeks into being in a dating someone. Yeah. Very very casual. I go like I'm doing this sh- sleepwalk with me this show at UCB. And it was it was really not done. I mean, it was like imagine like a really early version of a solo yeah, show yeah. where you're pouring your guts out at UCB below Gristides, you know. And <laughs> and and she came, and she just goes like, you know, it's all about like my breakup with my ex girlfriend who I was gonna get married to, and all this. It's really like emotional, and she just goes like. What this, what you're doing here is what you should be doing. Yeah. And I, I think that hap- that's a huge factor in life is who you're in love with and like what they like about you yeah. is affects where you end up. You know, she was like that Comedy Central stuff that you're doing. It's fine. Right. She's like, but this one person show, like there's something here. Yeah. And that, and that, that really affected, that affected the journey too. No, that, and you know, and that's a, that's a wonderful combination of, Two things that can also uh, that, that can often work in cross pur- at cross purposes. I think the notion that 
we should all be these sort of self-sustaining terrariums of of self-worth and and motivation and 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 you know drive and ambition and that we should not not let other people's opinion affect us we should stand firm in who we are and that to me like yeah i get that but that to me has never worked yeah because the way that i gauge myself is off of other human beings and and i've always been in terms of like whether i like the sense that I'm doing the right thing is often based on comparing myself to other people, sure. which you're not supposed to do. Sure, but it's and it and and it's the same thing too that that you can't be completely self-sustaining. You need to have people tell you this part of you is good. Yeah, this what you're you can't just go. I believe in myself sure. because that's life is a collaborative effort, and you can't just say like. This is me and this is what I want to do because that then stay home and talk to yourself. And you also can't see what you look like. Yes. And yes. you're not experiencing what it's like to be in the fourth row yes. of your own show. There's nothing more valuable than the painfully honest opinions of people you trust and love. You yeah, know? that's that's uh that's painfully apparent in uh in my relationship with Ira Glass, <laughs> Ira Glass is uh, really I've been working with for for about ten years. Yeah, and I've done a bunch of stories for This American Life, and and he's the producer of this show. And and man, he the the way that he gives notes, and the reason why he gives notes so bluntly, and then you'd understand this working in in on a television show that's every day. Is like this American Life is on a deadline. Yeah, they do like forty new episodes like a year, and so it's like there's no time for to massage your feelings. Yeah, no, there's just no time. So I will look at what I I wrote this piece for like New York Times last year, and I I go, Ira, can you take a look at this? And he goes, he he goes like, Mike, this doesn't work. (laughs) It's just like, oh my god, what do you mean? Yeah, you know, like I spent like a week on it. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't work, and um. And then, you know, it took. What well, does uh, he offer? He offers, yes, solutions yeah. and yes. ideas. You yeah. know, and that's part of because that's what you have to do. Oh yeah, you know? he's yeah. and he's he's so brilliant. I mean, he's he between him and Seth and and Jen and and a bunch of people, uh, and th- who work on these things. Like, he I'm, he's a godsend of a person uh, that I've encountered. He's taught me so much. But holy cow, it's so painful when you work on something and someone just goes, this doesn't work. Yeah, you got to get, you know, I mean, I have a pretty thick skin from it and it's from working on a late night show because there's no time. There's no time. There's no time. And you also, too, the nature of, especially like when you're working on a, uh, on a strip show like ours. There's no right. There's no absolute truth. No, there's truth. no There's, no there's just like, truth. what's the best thing to do with this comedy sketch, yes. which, A, it's a comedy sketch. It's not a, right. it's not open heart surgery. You just got to have one person that says, this is how it's going to be. Yep. Everybody gives suggestions, but there's just got to be one voice that says, nope, this is, the, I want it this way. It's like someone's got to point guard it. Yeah. Someone's got to come in and go, I'm going to point, I'm going to be a point guard. You're going to do yep. this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. All right, let's go. And I'm going to say yes and no. Yep. And I, that was what I was always used to and, you know, and, and got used to it and, and don't really have a lot of ego in terms of like, I, I give ideas and people don't like them. I'm like, all right, fine. I mean, you know, in my idea, people should all, in my, in my own opinion, everyone should always do what I say because I'm a 
fucking genius. Yeah, of course. But because um, I was saying, yeah, we're on your show, Andy. Of course, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> um, but when I it was when I came out here to do sitcoms and was sitting in writers' rooms with all these people that hadn't that didn't have as many you know calluses and scars, and they'd pitch something, and I go, Nah, we can do better. And they'd be like, whoa. Oh, interesting. Like, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I should have said, well, I can see why you would think that was a good idea. And it oh really God. is a great idea. Oh, my God. And I really do appreciate it. <laughs> so funny. It is such a funny thing. But I really think that we, like, come on. I always feel like it's like going to the fucking magic castle and expecting the other magicians to go, ooh, yeah, yeah. oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's magic. No, it's not magic. Yeah. We're, all, it, we're all in the same fucking racket. Yeah. Take it easy. Oh, man, you I know? love that. So, I, yeah, no, I, I and I still, I mean, you know, actually just yesterday on the floor in rehearsal at the Conan show, I try, you know, I try to be, I, you know, like I, like you, I try to be nice, but like sometimes there's like a bit that I just am like, nope, yeah, uh, uh-uh. and I, and I sometimes am like a little too honest or a little too yeah. like, you know, like there was a bit yesterday that I just, I was, I was, I actually was a little like I like a little mean about it, like a little shitty about it, like I laughed at the fact that right. It was that it somebody, wasn't no. I laughed. I laughed at the like at the idea that it was even being considered. Right. You know what I mean. And I kind of was a dick about it, right. but in like a you know a, a jokey kind of way. Yeah. And I, but I then of course like I just fucking sweat bullets after. I was like, oh my god, I hurt. You know this, this writer's feeling. feelings, yeah. and I was an asshole about it. But, but then again, like, hey, you know. We're all we're all cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, we're all doing the same thing. Like, eh, no, it's too salty. I you know. know. Like, sorry, well, I'm not going to serve this. It's too salty. And we're all. It's like it almost like it goes without saying too that like. And Ira has to point this out to me sometimes. It's like if we're even talking about this, I respect what you're doing. Right. You know, and right, that's right, true right. with the writing staff. Absolutely. It's like we're all working on the same thing. Yeah. We all have. We all strike out. We all have hits sometimes, yeah. you know. And he also, and he respects you enough to have worked with you this fucking yeah. long, and to like, and also to feel like you can take it. Yeah. Like, and 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 also, whenever you say to some, well, I feel like my thing is is like, when somebody turns me down, I think, okay, I I can make more. Yeah. And that's what the, I feel with other people. If I say like, nah, that idea is not great. It doesn't mean I negate you, and I don't think that you have good ideas. It means I trust you can make more. Yeah. Just, just this one, you know, yeah. let's move on from this one. So um, with the new show, how does it start? Like, how do you start to feel? At what point do you start to feel like, okay, this having a kid thing is going to be a show. This is going to be my, it was a um, new one, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> I worked in the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the, it was 13 months in uh, when, we went, we actually took, Jen and I took Don't Think Twice, which she worked on also, to um, Nantucket Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And the in, in the in when the festival director picked us up, she said, we're doing a storytelling night. The, the theme is jealousy. And Jen looks at me and she goes, well, you're jealous of our daughter, Una. You should talk about that. And I was just like, okay. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that that did sort of encapsulate how I felt at that point. I was jealous. Is there a little dig when she says that? Yeah, it's a, but it's a, like is a, it a loving like a dig? Loving or is dig. it, or is there like an, is there like a tinge of a real <laughs> issue there? 
But I'd say both. Yeah, I'd yeah. say both. I yeah. mean, Jen's very funny, and 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 it's also like it had been tense for those first thirteen months. Like it had been, uh, you know, that the show is. I always say this to people. It's like, it's like the show isn't about how she's four and a half years old because it's, it's an adorable age, and I'm better at being a dad now, and that's not funny. Yeah. Well, who wants to see some show where a guy goes? So then I take her to musical camp, and we have a great right, time. Right, right, yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> then we go out and we get pizza together. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've like, never felt more content. Yeah, like, get the fuck off the yeah, stage. Yeah, I got, I'm busy. Right. Um, no, it's about a really hard period of of feeling this existential uncertainty of like, what am I doing? I'm bad at this. Jen doesn't want me to be doing this. Like I, like she, like she does, she thinks I suck. I kind of think I suck. I'm trying hard. I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, this is me doing the show without jokes. It's <laughs> 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 just how I felt Yeah, for like a year. I mean, I was really like, holy shit. What, what, why do you think you were doing wrong? I mean, not like what you were doing, but I mean, what do you think it was about you that you weren't performing in a sense in the way that was making everybody happy and making you feel like you're doing the right thing? I think that my existence is so work-based. So I was like uh, filming a movie, I was editing a movie, I was on the road working, I and and and, and then being a parent for a newborn is like a 24 hour day yeah. job. Yeah. And so what would happen was I would come back from work and I would try to enter. I mean, it's almost like jog. It's like, it's almost like coming off the street into a middle of a basketball game. That's already in, yeah. in session yeah. and being like, so is there anywhere to put me in? And the, the, no, no, get the fuck out of the way. Right. And so and, and, and so I, I, I wanted to work hard and I say this in the show. I was like I was like the intern of the family. I was like, Does anyone need coffee? I'll clean up your crap. Uh-huh. Someday I hope to be a member of the family. And <laughs> and and like that's what it was like. It was like I, I would just do errands. I mean it really became like yep. I was an assistant to my wife and that's not what I wanted. <laughs> but honestly, especially first kid, I think that's Kind of how it goes. That's how it goes. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Since then, you know, and that's why I do the show. It's like, it's like I have parents come up to me and they'd say, "Oh my god, this this was exactly like me. Uh, this was exactly like her. Um, or or this was nothing like us. Here here's our story." And it's like, any any of those are 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 helpful to hear. I wish I had seen my show before I uh-huh. became a ten. <laughs> because you know, I have, I have a friend who I won't say his name but he goes like I sw- he goes I, I he had a kid this summer and he goes he goes if I had if I hadn't seen your show I think I would have maybe gotten divorced like I oh I, wow like I didn't he's like when I saw you being so dark yeah and like and and like going to this place of like that I've never seen you go yeah with your comedy before I was like okay I'm in for it yeah. Like I'm bracing myself for this thing. And I was actually able to understand it. Yeah. And, and so like in that sense, I'm more proud of this movie or this special than I am of anything I've made because I feel like actually it is a helpful thing for some people. Yeah. That's nice when that happens. Yeah. Every yeah. now and then. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's what I, you know, whenever I talk about therapy or being depressed or whatever, I have had people come and I'm certainly not one to think like, if I share my journey, it will help others, you know, because I'm a fucking TV clown, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, But it does matter. People, you know, people like I've had so many really lovely things said to me about how it mattered that I said... I suffered from depression and it was a bummer and I got help and it really matters. And it's, it's nothing you should be ashamed of or afraid to to do. And that's great. You know? And yeah, and I can totally see that about this, about your show. Yeah. Because it is, you know, I think it was different for me. Cause like you said, you know, like when you talked about your dad and, and I had asked you like what, what it was about your family dynamic that, that, gave you pause about having uh, kids is that like my parents divorced when I was four. So I never, and then I was raised like in the house with my grandmother and my mother. So I was kind of like raised by women. So I came to the conclusion and I've mentioned it on this show before that I like when it came time for me to be a dad, I didn't know really. So I just kind of was a mother. (laughs) Like, I think I just did like my version of mothering. Yes. And, and I didn't have, and I mean, like I said, I'm kind of a codependent person. I was kind of designed that way. Yeah. So I didn't have this sort of notion that this, you know, this new bawling creature is taking away from the glory of me. (laughs) Right. You know, uh, because I was, I didn't think that way anyway. Um, and, and and I, I would, cause I kind of, I had, like, I was kind of one of the first people in a way, in a wave of people to have a kid. Yeah. Like I, 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 and, and so there were a lot of people that had kids after me that would, and I mean, I, I mean, people in, Ameri- I in America, you mean? <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. I have, I invented you pioneered fatherhood. fatherhood. I pioneered father. You know what you should do? You should raw dog a woman <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had so many conversations and it's all showbiz men from just people that I know to like famous showbiz men. Mm-hmm. Uh, in talking about parenthood, just because I was a little bit further along. And the, the point of the conversation would boil down to kind of like, wow, it really is about the kid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, And kind of almost like a couple of them, like, is it going to get back to being about me? Mm. You know, <laughs> like one guy, and I mean, he's a successful fucking showbiz guy, would tell, told me as if I'm supposed to go, hey, man, good job. Like, you know, like uh, my wife will give me the baby and hold him. It's cute. Oh, yeah, it's good. And then it's kind of after a couple of minutes, like, okay, take him. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? You, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a, you know, you didn't get a bunny that you put back in a hutch. <laughs> you know, you're making a fucking human being. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, but I can see how with some men, especially, especially in showbiz, especially workaholic. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, fuck. You know, like. And then. And my then- sister-in-law said when she had a kid, she said, it's really obvious who the baby is. Once you have a kid, like, you know, it's like, I'm not the baby anymore. That's very funny. And it's hard. That's a great line. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's 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 very obvious who the baby is when you have a baby. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think it's I think there are a lot of men, you know, that have trouble with that. And I think and that's your show is kind of doing a service 
for <laughs> for babies. For yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, for, <laughs> for babies. babies. Yeah, and also like I think whether or not your parents are together is is an indicating factor of what your expectations are too. So like yeah, my Jen's parents split up when she was one. And my parents stayed together for life. Yeah, yeah. And so when all this was going down, I was secretly thinking, we've talked about this since then. It's in the book that we wrote. And it, like, I don't, I don't even think that we talked about it before we wrote the book. Like, I thought we're staying together forever, no matter what. And Jen thought and was sad about it, but was, but, but just sort of thought like, yeah, this will fizzle. Like, oh, like, wow. Not like, not that she didn't love me anymore, but that she was just like, you that's know, how it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah. And so, you know, and I felt that in that first year, like it was unspoken, but I could feel it. I was like. The first like, year of having a child? Yeah. The first, yeah. I could feel from Jen. Like, I was like, oh, she, I think she thinks like we're, we're like the walking dead or whatever. The the dead man. Or she, she thinks we're like, I'm a, I'm a dead man walking. Basically. Did it make you think that having a child was somehow a mistake then because that it somehow broke it? I never thought it was a mistake in the sense that and I say this line in the show when I was deciding to get like the varicocele repair where the because my boys don't swim or whatever. Right, right. Is like before I got it, this painful procedure, which they don't tell you is as painful right. as it is. Till, On till his balls for those of you who haven't seen the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh but I thought, like, Jen would be a great mother. And that's what she wants. She wants to be a mother. She'll be a great mother. Oh, my God. And, and she is. And uh, and I don't, I don't want to get in the way of that. So that's what we'll do. And so, and so when we were going through this and I got this vibe from Jen of, like, that maybe this might end or, or whatever, like, I just thought – I never thought it was a mistake. I just thought, oh, okay, I guess this is – this is how this is going down. Like, it's, I don't know. But but she's a great mom, and Una's a great kid. But it was just sad to me. It was yeah, just so yeah. sad. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because I, I was really, I was really content in our marriage. Yeah. You know, and, and so that's really what the show is about in, in a certain sense is, that's why it's called The New One, which is like, Jen and I were two people who became one, and then when this other new one came along, mm -hmm. it it was all of a sudden it was those two. Yeah, it was Jen and Una, and I was on the outside, and and the show is the process of that thirteen months breaking into the the being three that becomes one. Yeah, and here that's it, and that's where it lands. But it's really only like a glimpse of that at the end. Like, yeah. But yeah, my ex-wife and I, when after we had our first kid, we both found ourselves referring to our life before having a kid as when we were single. Oh, my gosh. Like we were <laughs> a, a couple, but we were like single to us meant without yeah children, you know. So, yeah, it is weird because you are kind of it is like it's a different. Uh, well, it's an entirely different existence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's really, well, I always say it is the bottom line. You're making people. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't that be the most complicated fucking thing on right. earth? Why right. wouldn't, you know? Of course. Like yeah. way more complicated than making a hybrid car <laughs> or make, whatever, you know? You're making a human fucking you're, being. You're and if you're people. Yeah. And if you're, if you're committed to that process in a real way, yeah, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. 
and it's going to be really wonderful, and it's going to be the only thing that really matters. That's right. You know, so that's right. Uh, well, let's get on to the next the of the two questions. There's the where are you going? I mean, do you have? I mean, you obviously have a book coming out. Uh, you have. I mean, is this kind of are you just kind of on a, a similar sort of just laying track for this railroad, or is there something? Is there some big thing that you're not doing that you wish you were doing? I think that, you know, right now I have, I'm writing a show for the stage that it's different from anything I've ever done. That's pretty spectacular, I would say. Oh, and it's, is it autobiographical? Or? It is, yeah. but it's, 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 it's a variation on, on a type of show that I'm doing now, but it's, I would say just bigger. And it's, 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 uh, it's a it's sort of a big high concept. And so I'm working on that, and then I'm working on another movie because I love directing movies. Yeah, like, yeah. I, like my, it's really fun. I, I've only directed uh, commercials, uh, but <laughs> boy, is it fun! Yeah, I love the teamwork of it. Yeah, like it's the same thing we we're talking about with improv, and it's like or like a writer's room. Like there's something about the camaraderie of it. And, oh, and the you, problem solving. The I problem love the solving. problem solving. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, and like it's funny because you, um, we were talking earlier about. I, oh yeah, you were saying like Altman like really like treated every day like a party, and and like he and and the people I, I don't know if you were saying like the people on the set were really nice or the crew was nice. Yeah, he surround, he worked with like he had like twelve relatives working for him, like yeah. all, most of his kids work for him. You know? Yeah, and like that's um, when when I did Don't Think Twice, when, Sleepwalk with Me was the first movie I directed, and it was really really hard because there were some mostly great people and then a couple people were like kind of assholes and ah. and like in and, and mean yeah and i and and i was like that's the only part i didn't like yep it's the only part and so when i got my i hired my crew we all got in a room for don't think twice and i said okay this is really important the reason you're here and you're hired is that i you're not an asshole I have vetted you. I have called people you know. You are, and so if you start becoming an asshole, we're gonna be surprised. Yeah, and you probably won't work on the movie anymore. Yeah, yeah, because this isn't gonna be like that. Yeah, and there were no assholes, and it was great. You learned a lesson very quick that I have talked to so many people that it took longer to learn, like like director friends and things, or or you know producer friends who just said like you hire somebody because of some sort of something on their resume or because they're you or know, heat yeah and it's like that matters so much less than are they going to be a pleasant person to yeah. spend 16 hours a day yeah, with, yeah yeah you know and holy cow i mean the people who worked on don't think twice is like keegan michael key and gillian jacobs yeah. and chris gethard and kate mccucci and tammy sager and and then the crew uh, you know joe anderson and uh, all these people like Oh my God, these are the best people. This is such a great time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wanted like, and so I'm writing a movie and I'm, I'm going to direct that. And I think I'm going to do some variation on just shows and movies and directing. And I'd say like increasingly less on camera, in front of the camera mm -hmm. and more just be, you know, uh, directing and creating. I think that at a certain point you have to come to grips with like, we only have so much time on the earth and what do I have to contribute? And I think it is creating a thing. Yeah. And if I have to be the person who is the, the thing, that's fine. If that's the best thing for it. Right. But I don't, I'm not like, 
I'm not in a rush. Like the, the movie I'm conceiving, it doesn't have me in it. Yeah. Is that, do you feel like you just had enough of that? Yeah, I I think that part of it's that. I think part of it is you just go like, well, I I see actors who are better than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I go like, you know, I and I think when I was younger, I would go, how come that's not me? And now I go like, oh, that that guy's good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have the same. I definitely have the same feeling as I'm. I mean, I you know. I work on the Conan show and it's great, but it's at some point it's going to stop and I'm going to have to figure out what the next step for me is. And I think about that a lot and definitely, I mean, I like performing and I like acting Mm -hmm. and I certainly now because of just my schedule and this job, I I miss acting. Mm -hmm. I I, I miss. And when I get a chance to do it, oh, it's really fun. And it's also, it's a challenge and it, you know, it's, you know, doing the Conan show is now at this point, and it should be falling off a log. It's just, you know, I don't, it's not a, a great sweat. I get it. I get a job, you know, like uh, I get, I get a side gig on a, on a show where I got an act and I, it's a little bit like, especially if there's time in between it. Like I did a, I did a, a, a I was on Santa Clarita diet on mm-hmm. a number of those episodes. And when I started on that, I felt really fucking rusty and really insecure and after, and just as I did it, got it back, felt secure, felt like I was doing a good job, was happy to take compliments mm-hmm. that I felt were genuine about that. And that is, that's like exciting. That's a challenge. You know, that's like a workout. I, uh, I had the same thing with, I was on Billions yeah, last season yeah. or, or two seasons ago. And I have a. I have like a love scene. I never had like a full love scene yeah. where we're stripping and all that kind of stuff with uh, Asia Kate Dillon. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and it was challenging because it was like, this is way out of my comfort zone. Yep. I don't view yep. myself as a, a, a sexual being and yeah. all that kind of stuff. No, and, I, when I was on Andy Richter Controls the Universe, they wanted to have me date all kind of, I was always like, oh, dude. Can't this guy just be sort of <laughs> neuter? Does he really have to have sex with people? This is incredibly embarrassing to me. But then ultimately, like my takeaway was like, oh well, this will this will teach me more about what it's like to be an actor and yep. how the insecurity you go through. Yeah. And so when I'm a director and it's called a love scene is called for, like I'll be able to be more sensitive to the actors. Right. It's that scare yourself. Yeah. You know, a scare little yourself. Bit. Then, yeah. 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 Um, well, that's you know you kind of are covering the 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 lesson you've learned, you know stuff about this. I mean, I imagine. Well, you, I, I read something where you said that you very much value asking advice, and it's a practice yeah. that you're in. Yeah, and I imagine people do the same thing for you. Yeah, and I wonder, uh, you know, and I mean, as an answer to the third question of these questions, what is that advice? Like, do you? Whether it's showbiz, whether it's fatherhood, whether it's marriage, I mean. What's my advice for people? Yeah. Well, the one, you know, I think gratitude, uh, reminding yourself to be grateful Mm -hmm. is, I think, crucial. Yeah. The same way that like. It's a tough one. It's hard. I try it. I I mean, I force myself to do it, but then I forget for weeks at a time, you know. Yeah. I mean, I had it yesterday. I was, you know, I had this cough and I was feeling, I was doing a matinee and, and a night show and I was doing, 
I had a press obligation in between. I was just hitting a wall. And Jen said, uh, you know, Matt Berninger from my favorite band, The National, came to the show last night. And and he she goes, Matt's coming. She goes, just think about Matt and how he does 100 dates on the road after an album comes out and how yeah. hard that must yeah, be yeah. to bring it to his fans. Yeah. And, and you're that shitty fan. hotel rooms. Yeah. yeah buses. And yeah. You're that. You're that to that audience. And, yeah. I, and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And so I basically, like last night, I was like, I'm doing this for Matt because Matt does this for me Yeah, when yeah. I'm an audience member. And so so I think gratitude, my my, my biggest piece of advice is, is gratitude. And I would say, to your point earlier, sort of building on what you were saying, like openness to the universe yeah. and saying, saying yes to things in the universe. Yeah. Well- so people do that. Say yes, be open to the universe, and be grateful. God damn it. We could die tomorrow. Yeah, could die tomorrow. Which, you know, and some sometimes I feel like that wouldn't be so bad. It <laughs> wouldn't be so bad. Oh, so the just the yeah, rest. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, just the relief. Oh, the rest. Oh, I don't have to breathe anymore. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like what's better than a nap? Yeah, exactly. And then, oh, that big, big nap. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Well, I wanted to leave it on a cheery note. I think that's uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, I love you. You're really, uh, you're an amazing person. You really are. Um, you are uh, frankly heroic in terms of like what you've done. No, I mean oh, it. Thanks. I mean it for what, what you've done with your career and with your life. I think it's really, you know, and especially as fucked up as you are physically. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you're a mess. I know. I got a lot of. I got a lot of doctors. Got a lot of issues. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting shit shoved up your dick, all, yeah. you know, on a yeah, regular yeah, yeah. basis. But a know? lot of that's uh, uh, recreational. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, but thank you so much for doing this. I, I, I know you're busy and your times. I mean, oh, yeah. you've, you've made it very plain that your time is valuable. Complaining <laughs> about all your obligations. Um, I am very grateful for you having me here because well, I've admired you for you. so many years and continue to, and uh, and I feel lucky to be a part of this show. That's a, a lovely thing to say, and I definitely throw it right back at you. And I want to thank you people out there for listening uh, to the three questions. Be sure to check out uh, Mike's show, the new one on Netflix. It, it ought to be. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know when this yeah, is, yeah. but it ought to be yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. And it is really, really great. It's um, funny and smart and pulls at your heartstrings, which is a always been the, one of the grossest phrases. Hearts. Ugh, imagine what the fuck. Flossing, heartstrings. Flossing your yeah, heart. Like sinewy, blood-soaked <laughs> goo. But anyway, he's going to pull at him. Uh, <laughs> so we will uh, we will be talking to you next time on the three questions. Bye bye. Thanks. Got a big, big love for you. The three questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galitza Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.